Hi, guys. <laughs> you made it, Bonnie? Hello? Thank you, Lord. Yesterday afternoon, um, I think I'm telling you guys this story because I think there's a, a picture that, that the Lord wants to speak to us tonight. Yesterday afternoon, I think it was around 1, 1.30, I was doing some things at the store on the computer, researching some stuff, trying to, um, I think I was trying to actually make some labels, and I started thinking, gee, I'd really like this piece of clip art. And so I went on the web and started looking for this piece of clip art. And all of a sudden, the uh, internet stopped working. And um, you don't understand how dependent we are on the internet until something like that happens. And then you're just like, now what do I do? And, and so I began to kind of freak out a little bit because our whole point of sale system is based on the internet connection. And I knew that our point of sale system can also function for a time without the internet, but eventually it has to upload all of the credit card information and everything. So I was freaking out just a little bit. And um, at the same time, trying to assess what was going on and... Um, Kind of the crazy thing about this whole thing is, is um, in trying to evaluate it, it looked like it was our ISP, Internet Service Provider, and I'm not going to give them any free press here tonight, but uh, called them up after, you know, and they always want you to do a ton of troubleshooting, and I know enough to go through all the troubleshooting before I call them. Long story short, they sent techs out finally to, to troubleshoot and try and figure things out. And even though it looked like my, and, and sorry if I'm losing some of you right now, but try and stick with me. Even though it looked like my Wi-Fi router was working, my Wi-Fi router was working intermittently. It was beginning to lose its capability to transmit the signal coming into it and then out to the rest of the computer. So it would do that for anywhere from, it would transmit some, somewhere between 30 seconds up to maybe a minute and a half, and then it would shut down. And so that allowed the point of sale system to keep functioning, and it allowed me to also formulate a plan. The funny thing about my plan is it's been sitting on my desk since October. I literally had replacement equipment sitting there uh, since October. And it was one of those jobs I just didn't want to do. And um, last night I got to do it whether I wanted to or not. So I was at the store after we closed. I was there till about 10.30 last night reinstalling new Wi-Fi routers and uh, everything in the store. And, you know, it sounds, sounds like why are you telling us this story, Kenny? And, and the reason is, as we were worshiping, I really felt like there's a place there where the signal's coming in, but there's something there where it's not getting distributed anymore in your life. And, and there's a place where the Lord wants to download some new 
equipment, some new ways of thinking, some new opportunities that need to be embraced. And in some cases, the Lord's had this stuff waiting for you all your life. And tonight is an opportunity for you to receive that new, and I'm not even just talking a new download. I'm talking about an impartation of something that's going to change your way that God distributes his information and his life through you and to you. Because ultimately, you guys, what we deal in in our lives is the information of the Holy Spirit. And we need a clear ability to both receive and give. And that's what was happening is my router was receiving all of the information, but it wasn't giving anything except for a few seconds. And you have those, those glimmers of hope that get you all excited. Okay, it's working again. Oh, no, it's not working. So how many of you want to keep working? Amen. So I'm going to take you guys through um, a bunch of scriptures tonight, but as Mike, if you could put the illustration that we've been using now for the past several weeks up there, you guys, we're, we're going to go into the Holy of Holies tonight. You, you've been waiting for a while to, to do this, and I didn't update this to show the out, you know, how it was all set up. It's just basically... You, you enter from the east, you proceed to the west, and when you get into the holy place, there's a whole lot of stuff going on right there, but ultimately once a year, the priest would go into the holy of holies, and in that place, he would put blood on the um, mercy seat, and Mike, if you could put that, that next illustration up you got the cherubim's wings that are touching right there. This is the, the Ark of the Covenant. It's the mercy seat. It's also one of the things that's very interesting about the Holy of Holies is there is no light in there except the light from the glory of God. There was that presence of God that literally brought forth a light in, in this place. And so when the priest would enter, he wouldn't be in the dark, and it wasn't because there was a a candle in there or anything else, if it wasn't for the glory of God, that room would be pitch black. But what I want to talk to you guys tonight about is I want to take you through something that I hope turns something of the signal of God <laughs> to not only come into your life in a new way, but to also impart that new ability to be a router of that grace that he's given, of that mercy that he's given, because this is the mercy seat. And as we look at this, you're going to see that this is, this is meant to be a distribution point, not just a, you know, dead end. And, there, and that's where it goes. That's, that's as good as it gets. Because God's intent was never for just the high priest to enter into the Holy of Holies. This is a shadow. This is showing us something, something of the future. And so I'm going to run through some scriptures. So if you have your Bibles, either 
physical Bibles here with you or you got your smartphone. And if you don't, I'm not giving out grades tonight, so you're going to be fine. Um, but if you turn to Exodus 25 to start off with tonight, and I'm, I'm just using an outline for my to remember all of the scriptures that we're going to zip through tonight. So remember, this is God's big camping trip. God is going somewhere with his people. And, and let's look at this. Exodus 25, verses 8 through 9. And this is God speaking to Moses, and he says, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I show you. That is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, just so you shall make it. So let them make me a sanctuary um, that I may dwell among them. And if you start taking that apart, you start realizing that what God is really saying is that I may dwell in the midst of them. That, 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 let's break it down even shorter than that. That I may dwell in them. Let them make me. And, and, I, and I always think, you know, about this, that, well, God, you could have made it yourself. You know, you spoke the world into being. Why, why are we making you a tabernacle? Why is this our job? And I would submit to you today that it is not so much our job, but it's our honor. The God who breathes stars, the God who spoke this world into being. I, I always love the, the verse where Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. With all of the things that you could say, that's the power of God, that's the power of God, that's the power of God. No, Paul says, the gospel is the power of God. So, as we look at this portion here, it's an honor for us to make him a place to dwell. And the Israelites took that honor and they began to gather all of the materials. And if you read through Exodus, you read all of those details. You can read through Numbers and Deuteronomy and you see more and more of the details. And, and sometimes those details, they just bog us down because so much information. We go, man, what, what's all of this about? But in looking at the tabernacle, every aspect of the tabernacle is pointing towards Christ. Now turn to Exodus 40. Exodus 40, and we're going to look at uh, starting in verses 34 through 38 here. Almost started reading to you out of chapter 39. I thought, man, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> then the cloud covered the tabernacle. Okay, so let me set this up a little bit. They have completed everything. They've made everything. They've made the priestly garments. They've put everything together. They've assembled the tabernacle. They've put the, um, 
the Ark of the Covenant in its place. They've put all of the other furnishings in its place. They've, they've done the, the sacrifice. I should say sacrifices. And here we are, and it says, Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would go onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not journey till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day, and a fire was over it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. So let's look at this. First of all, in verse 34, then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now, in some of the, commenta in the commentaries that I read, what they're saying is, is that they believe that, that this was like a, a whirlwind or a funnel of cloud coming through. Now, when you guys think about a funnel coming through like this building, you would think, okay, something's got to give because we're protected from whatever's outside. But somehow, by, by God's ability, this, this funnel or this cloud would literally come through five layers of tent material that they had made, comes through, and it's not just dwelling on the mercy seat, it's literally filling the entire tabernacle. So it's the presence of God that is sanctifying this. It's not the blood of bulls and goats and rams. and It's the presence of God that is setting this place apart. And, the, and he's saying, this is my dwelling place. Are you guys with me? Because <clears throat> I'm setting up something here very important for us. So this is a key point. It's not just a, a temporary building with nothing in it, nobody in it. Uh, <clears throat> we obviously know that there's something in it. There's different furnishings that we've talked about. But what this is saying is, is it's the Shekinah presence of God filling the tabernacle. It's this whirlwind coming down through the roof of that tent to the mercy seat. Noah, as, as I said, no other light in the Holy of Holies but the light of his presence. In the shadow of what he is going to, it's a, and, and let me say this again, it's the shadow of what he's going to do. Well, what's he going to do? Well, this is where it gets interesting. If you turn to John chapter 2 with me. I think that's right. No, that isn't right. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Might have a typo there. Don't worry, I will find it. Maybe it is chapter 2. I don't think it is. Nope. I will find it. towards the end of John. I know that because it's where he
cleans the temple. Where's the cleansing of the temple, you guys? It is John 2? 13. Man, I wasn't even close on my typing. Lord, help me. Now you are. What was the verse? Chapter, I mean. Uh, guess I should have. All right, thank you, guys. So let's look at this, starting in verse 13. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. So the Jews answered and said to him, what sign do you show to us since you do these things? Jesus answered and said to them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews says, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. <coughs> so there's, there's two things that that's happening there. There's, there's two different perspectives. And um, when we read that portion out of Exodus 40, when it, when it says the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle, the, the word there, the Hebrew word is mishkan. The, the mishkan filled the temple. So when Jesus says, destroy this mishkan, you guys with me? When he says, destroy this mishkan and I will raise it up. In, in other words, he's saying, I am the temple of God. Destroy this temple of God and in three days I will raise it up. But when, thank you so much. When um, the religious leaders answer him, they are basically, they're using this Hebrew word, Mikdash, they're, they're saying, it, it took 46 years to raise this Mikdash. So what's the difference? Mishkan is the Shekinah, the, the inhabiting presence of God, 
You guys with me? This is really important for you to get a hold of tonight. It's the inhabiting presence of God. They're not looking at the inhabiting presence of God. They're looking, it's like us calling this the church when this building isn't the church. It's where we get completely screwed up, and it's where the church is very messed up right now because our words matter how we say things. How we refer to things matters. And, and one of the things many of you have heard me say before is that when God or when the enemy got us calling this the church, it's easy for us to leave the church because we're leaving a physical thing. We're not leaving a spiritual thing. I figure if Cindy was nice enough to get me the water, I should drink it. All right? So, when, when Jesus talks about this here, the spiritual lights are still out within those who oppose Christ. The spiritual leaders, you guys, this is, this is the people that should be spiritual, and, and they've been practicing all of the shadows for generations and generations and generations, and, and the intent was... I'm going to have you follow your senses until the spiritual comes, until the mishkan comes. And when the mishkan comes, you're going to be ready to receive it. But they weren't. They were so wrapped up in the practice of church, if I can say it that way, that they missed the presence of God. And that's true today. A lot of people are wrapped up in the practice of, of religion, but they're missing the power of God. So th this difference of Mishkan and Mikdash is, is very important for us to get a hold of. And in their of offense of him, interfering with their profiteering in the worship of God, they miss the real point. They're, they're thinking, man, we're making money here. We got it set up to where Pamela can't come in and make a sacrifice unless she buys the temple-approved sacrifice, you know, and she's going to pay a premium for that, Pamela, because after all, this is convenience, and, and we're going we're gonna to manipulate, and we're going to control people, we're going to take advantage of people, and Jesus comes in, and he cleans house and says, this is not true worship of God. So, yeah. I think that they thought it was. Well, of course they thought it was. Yep. I'm not saying that they didn't think that they were right. They obviously thought that they were. But they especially thought that they were right because it was convenient for them. It fit their plan. Yeah. They're just going through the motions. Yep. Amen. Yep. Yeah. So turn to Matthew 27. I'm sure about this one.
Matthew 27, 50. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple, what veil? The veil separating the holy place from the holy of holies. The veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And, and I remember, in, and, and we used to talk about some pretty intense things in Sunday school as a little kid. And the veil of the temple being ripped in two from top to bottom. I remember my, my Sunday school teachers when I was a little boy talking about that saying, that signifies God tearing it. And saying, this veil has been removed. The, the way has been made for you to enter into the holy place and the holy of holies all at the same time. So why, why is this important? Because his death made a way by which we enter. Now if you could turn to Acts 7. And you guys, I know a lot of this isn't going to make sense until I get here towards the end, but, but stick with me here. Acts 7, 48. And this is, this is Stephen preaching. And Stephen has, has been preaching to, to these guys, and we know this is where Stephen is going to become a martyr. But before he gets to that part, he says, he, he makes this point, but Solomon built him a temple, or built him a house. However, the Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands, as the prophet says, Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Has, not, or has my hand not made all these things? And so Stephen is introducing this group of people that are getting ready to pick up stones and, and kill him. Stephen becomes a martyr right here. And he's introducing this concept that God doesn't dwell in temples made with human hands. He mishcans in something he designed. I'm using that word mishcan because it's different enough that you guys are going to catch this, I hope. Because if, if you don't catch this, I, I, haven't, I haven't accomplished uh, what I hope to, and the Holy Spirit needs to impart this to each one of us. Acts 17, 24, I'm... I'm I'm trying to make a case here. I guess a little bit like a lawyer here. Um, Acts 17:24. God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives life to since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. You know, there's a lot of things that this says. And, and first of all is that Paul is making this point in Athens. Again, there's this impartation, this revelation that's beginning to happen in the church that God doesn't dwell in a place 
He dwells in something he's created. He mishcans. The, the presence of God, the same presence that came down like a whirlwind, goes through the roof of a tent without tearing the tent apart. It comes down and fills the tabernacle to where Moses can't even enter into it. It's so heavy. It's so crazy thick in there, the glory of God, that, that he can't enter in. So Paul's saying God's not found in man-made temples, no matter how beautiful they may be. He's in Athens. He's, he's got plenty to look at right here. So now, 1 Corinthians 3.16 1 Corinthians 3.16 Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God mishcans in you? Would you, guys, would you guys get a hold of that for a second? Wayne, don't you know? You're the temple of God. He mishcans. You know, you say, well, that's a weird word, Kenny. You're, you're wearing me out with this word. But, but again, get the picture of the presence of God coming down. Do you, if you guys were in, in that time and the tabernacle's just been dedicated, everything's taking place, do you think that if you were standing there and a whirlwind comes down, this cloud comes down and fills the tabernacle, do you think maybe that would get your attention? What in the world? We've never seen anything like that in Egypt. What is that? What Paul is saying to the Corinthian church here, you guys, is he's saying, do you not know that you are the temple of God? Do you not know that the mishkan of God dwells in you? That same power that was imparted to the Israelites in the wilderness is imparted to you. That place of the wilderness is, is you've been taken out of the sin of Egypt and you're wandering into the promised land. You're, you're getting there. You're, the, the Lord is working on you. But in the midst of all that, Wayne, it doesn't matter if you got it all together. The power of God is in you. Well, I don't feel like it. And, and that's the thing. All of us would like it if we could have this demonstration, you know, if we could have our, our senses tantalized. And, and I want to tell you guys something. God does that. But he does it when he chooses. And the rest of it for us is faith. And what I'm preaching to you requires faith. That you accept, I am the temple of God. Now, just in case you're thinking, well, Kenny, that's a fluke. Well, let's go to 1 Corinthians 6. And, and I'm going to start in verse 18 because this, 
this, this has been one of those places that I, I've always kind of like, huh, that's interesting. And, and Paul is talking to a very hedonistic, very um, whatever feels good, do it kind of crowd in, in Corinth. They're, they are, if there's something to be experienced that might tantalize your flesh, they're going to probably be doing it. And it says, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. And then he says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Again, if we're going to talk about God's big camping trip and the fullest sense of what God was getting at, we must understand that he wants us to know that Yahweh is camping out with them, but more importantly, Yahweh is walking with you daily in you, empowering you, strengthening you. And that Mishkan presence is something we should not only expect, it's something that we should welcome every day. Thank you, God, that you're dwelling in me, that you're strengthening me, and, and, you know, i tell you guys something. I guess maybe this is going to tie this all together. It's last night at about 10.30 when I got done with that, that job of hooking up the, the Wi-Fi routers and everything, I was turning the lights off down in the basement of the store. And, and for those of you that have never been down there, we have a full basement. So if you look, if you come into our store, just imagine all of that square footage is the same down in the basement. It's a long building down there and it gets pretty dark and uh, so I walk down to one end to turn the lights off and it's never happened to me you guys ever get that like chill like something's here with me and and uh, but I didn't feel like it was evil you know I didn't feel like it was anything like that I just went hallelujah and I turned around just in case there was something behind me and, and, and made a declaration, you know, and hallelujah, thank you, God. I don't know what's going on right now, Lord, but I want to tell you guys, I believe the Lord wants to impart this to us so that we have an awareness that he is with us. And it's that, I, I want you guys to see the reason why we've went through the tabernacle is so that you understand God isn't out there, he's in here. And he's meant to impart, and he's meant to tell us, he's meant to speak to us, he's meant to direct us in our lives. He's meant to heal us, restore us. We talked about that last week, this, this idea of restaurant and restoration being from the same word. Is this making sense to you guys tonight? The Mishkan, his presence, tabernacling with man. And in, in the Old Testament, it's happening on this kind of a one-at-a-time scale, but the desire of God was to, let's do it with everybody. Let's take this to everybody. 
And so, Lord, I, I just would end tonight, Lord, with a prayer. Lord Jesus, thinking of you breathing on your disciples and saying, receive the Holy Spirit. Lord, I, I would speak that to each of us tonight. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Mishkan of God. Receive the redeeming, refining, redeeming, <laughs> refining, restorative purpose imparting power imparting presence of God Lord that we would not walk in our own understanding but Lord that we would come to you and realize that Lord it's not a matter of wishing you would show up it's knowing that you're already with us that when Jesus, you said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You were saying that because you understood this Mishkan thing that your dad was up to in redeeming us, in tearing the veil of the temple from top to bottom. He was saying, I will Mishkan with my people. I will impart my presence to my people. And so, Lord, by faith, Lord, we receive that. More of you and less of me, Lord. More of you and less of me. Amen, church? Amen. Well, I hope you guys get that. Because it's been something that just keeps stirring in my heart. I just... God is messing with my head, you know, in this because it's years and years and years of tradition. And the Lord's just saying there's a lot of that tradition that needs to be dismantled so that the fullness of what I want to do in my people can, can come about.